When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Texas football. It's time for the Sunday Night Live stream. I'm Bobby Burton. Brought to, uh, alongside, geez, CJ Vogel up top, Rod B in the middle. Uh, Jerry Hamilton down below. Guys, uh, welcome in. Uh, Jerry's. I thought you were doing the horns down there, Rod. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Jerry. No, no, no. <laughs> never, never. No, 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 no. Oh, right boy. Hey, uh, we've got some news and notes uh, to bring to you tonight. Uh, a couple of things have happened. Uh, Jerry, you were at a seven-on-seven tournament this weekend. CJ, you released some uh, news and notes. But first, uh, one of the Longhorns' targets off the board, an offensive lineman out of Cypress Ridgeland, goes to the bad guys up in uh, north of the border. Jerry, you want to take that one? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Ryan Foggia as um... – uh, CJ kind of hinted at that on ontexasfootball.com over the weekend uh, that Oklahoma was looking good there. I've been by the school about three weeks ago, um, and Oklahoma was his first offer, and that did have meaning uh, to Ryan for sure. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was 6'4", 230 pounds on JV as a sophomore playing DN, and now he's 6'5", two at closing on 285 uh, as a big-time, I think, right tackle prospect. I think he's a top 100 kid in the country long term. If not, I, either they people ranking to get out of the business or I need to get out of the business. He's very talented. Um, that was a good early get for Oklahoma. I think they're being aggressive uh, in this cycle, trying to get guys from Texas on board, knowing that Texas plays the longer game. And even in some circumstances, A&M is playing the longer game with some of these kids. Interesting, he plays for Lonnie Madison, former Texas A&M defensive lineman over at Bridgeland, but he's not, you know, he's not one to push a kid to a school or anything like that. Uh, but Kyle Flood was by the school last Thursday at Bridgeland. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, we know how Texas is. They they won't uh, they won't walk away from guys they think are very good. Uh, they'll keep recruiting him, but Bill Biedenbaugh offered him early uh, before he was on the radar anywhere um, and did a good job relationship building with him and his father. Uh, you mentioned OU being aggressive, Jerry. Jonah Williams out of Galveston Ball apparently leaning to OU right now, in your opinion, or, or what's going on there? The big safety slash baseball prospect uh, as well. I think that's where Oklahoma's really hitting this recruitment is is the baseball angle. Um, you know, I, I, and I think, look, if you look at it, if he ends up at Oklahoma, there'll be some references to Kyler Murray, uh, Cody Thomas, guys from Texas that went up and played baseball and football at Oklahoma. Uh, we'll see how long this recruitment plays out. Obviously, Oklahoma's being aggressive right now with kids, especially in Texas. Uh, but we'll see if this one plays out into June. Um, so, yeah, but Oklahoma's in the uh, position that A&M in Texas wishes, wish they were in. The other thing with Oklahoma is they've been recruiting him as a box safety, uh, even talked to him about wide receiver, which I, I mean, that gets him to tell a kid whatever he wants to hear part of a recruitment. But they've talked to him about anything other than linebacker. And Texas initially thought he might be a linebacker, if that's uh, accurate. Jeff Choate was recruiting him at linebacker, then Choate left. Texas moved him back to the safety spot. Uh, Blake Gideon uh, obviously has been the area recruiter, but took over that recruitment. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if how much ground Texas can make up. Even if Williams made an early decision, I don't think Texas will back off. Uh, CJ, you also had some news and notes over the weekend on the Texas team uh, coming out of uh, some – early workouts for some of the young guys uh, give folks a little understanding of what you saw and what you heard uh, from talking to some, some folks around the program this weekend. Yeah. Early returns from a lot of uh, these early enrollees, very positive on the front of guys that are making an impact early. Uh, a couple names that have yet to be really 
I, I guess, highlighted so far since their arrival. Ty Anthony Smith coming in with a workmanlike mentality. He's a guy who, uh, Jerry, you put a note up on, on the board as well about him. He's a guy that you talk to him, you see the effort that he puts into each workout. He's making headways right now amongst the freshmen. Wardell Mack, another name in that cornerback room. We talked about the defensive backs in this past cycle being one of the strengths of the class. Obviously, we expect it to be a strength of the team moving forward into to future seasons as well. Wardell Mack's a guy that has, has really kind of shined a little bit. Uh, uh, Kobe Black as well in that defensive back room. Very impressive because you look at him, and, and, and we've talked about this in the past, it doesn't look like he has really – been through an extensive amount of of work on his body yet. There's a, still a lot, uh, yeah. a long room or a long way to go with his development physically for his name to be popping up as often as it is. Very encouraging. And then body transformation, something I want to hit on a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Colin Simmons is up about 15 to 20 pounds, up to Crazy. about 240 right now. And wow. that was one of the biggest not question marks, but one of those big things with him is, is if you could see his body get physically ready for the SEC. Jerry and I saw him down in uh, in Orlando for the All-American game down there. It didn't look like he was close to 240, but it turns out that the nutritional aspect of things combined with his work ethic in the weight room is the biggest factor there. And then obviously Alex January, January is the other one I wanted to mention. Uh, slimmed down about 10 pounds since arriving to campus, looking like he's carrying that weight just a little bit better than what he was as a senior in high school at Duncanville. Yeah, and I'll add to that. Like Ty Anthony Smith, I want to say something about Ty Anthony, a couple of things. One, he reminds me of linebackers that I've seen over the years in the state of Florida. You know, he's a small-town guy, plays multiple sports. Actually hurt his knee a sophomore year playing basketball. Plays multiple sports right at a smaller school. Um, When he gets to college, he blows up fast. That's what I expect from Ty Anthony. So CJ's report, that doesn't surprise me at all. I'll tell you the other thing about Ty Anthony uh, for the Texas fans to remember as he progresses throughout his career. He's a guy that they would snap the ball to. They'd hand him the ball off. He'd play wide receiver at various points. He'd play safety. He'd play linebacker. Those guys like that can take in a lot of information and put Mm -hmm. it to use immediately. And Quandre Diggs played everywhere Mm -hmm. in high school. Earl Thomas played everywhere in high school. You get these small-town guys. I'm sorry, Quandre, you were in 4A. Same as friends with who owns Angleton, by the way. But um, that's another discussion for Q. But um, (laughs) these these small school guys – you know, if you can put a lot on their plate and they can execute it, those guys tend, tend to learn really quick at the next level. It tells you they have a high football IQ. Yep. I, I love it. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, Rod, we're going to get to you next. And our conversation with Rod is going to be a little bit different. Rod, you're getting your uh, wisdom teeth taken out tomorrow, my man. <laughs> yes, sir. Get them taken okay. out. I'm not looking forward to it. We need to know if there's any doctors on board because here's the here's Rod's next conundrum. He has to get cleared by the doctor so he can go to the Super Bowl next s- Sunday. Yeah. He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a ticket, my man. You got to get cleared from a doctor. If there's any doctors, please just tell get, me. Yes. Because <laughs> if I'm having a surgery on Monday, I basically got to get a doctor to clear me to fly out on Friday because my flight will leave on Friday. I got a ride. I got everything. I got everything. Um, and I, I imagine if I could fly out on Sunday, it would make it a whole lot better, but I ain't that big time. So I got a ride. <laughs> We just got to pray that I got a doctor who's confident in his abilities and confident in my ability to heal and that he's like, oh, man, you'll be good. So I'm praying that it's going to happen. And if not, I'm going to be heartbroken. I'm gonna be heartbroken. I, I, I once rode a Greyhound bus from New York City to Houston. I don't suggest that ride, Rod. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, now you owe. Now, Jerry. Super Bowl that oh, day. Game it's only 19 hours. You could leave Tuesday morning and be there. You know, why did you put that in my head? Now your jaws are going to be as big as the sphere in Las Vegas. <laughs> Jerry, hey. why would you put that? My wife is going to, dude, I'm going to try to tell her Jerry made, made me come up with this idea that I could take the Greyhound. I could take the bus all the way out there and be just fine. Don't do it, Rod. Don't, Don't do, do it. it. Hey, it might be worth it to do the live stream. Hey, I, I got to say one other thing. I got to say one other thing. Rod, uh, one of your best friends or good friends from school, uh, Kyle Shanahan, is yeah. going to be coached in that game. Congratulations mm-hmm. to the Longhorn. Uh, he is going to be leading the 49ers. Uh, and then also, uh, obviously, on the other side, Kansas City Chiefs. Alex uh, Alex Okafor used to be a Kansas City Chief. Uh, but Charles Omenahue yeah. was yeah. going to play for the Chiefs, but tore his ACL in that game last weekend. Had a big game, actually, in the, in the uh, AFC yeah. title game. Uh, but a couple of Longhorns uh, representing uh, the uh, university there uh, at the biggest game 
in the world. Who do you got in that game, Rod? I mean, I know you're a little bit of a pro football fan too. Are you? Are you? I know you're rooting for the 49ers. I'm rooting. I'm rooting for my boy Shannon. I'm rooting for the 49ers. My wife, their whole family, 49ers fans. Guys, it's almost impossible to pick against Patrick Mahomes. That's just the reality of it. I mean, this guy, he's 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 three and zero, I believe, as an underdog uh, in the playoffs. He's nine and three as an underdog. I think he's still an underdog right now. I don't pick against Patrick Mahomes very often, um, and every time I do, it makes me look stupid. But I'm 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 hoping the 49ers win, so I'm rooting on them. But I got I just don't pick against Patrick Mahomes. That's just not a smart thing to do these days. <laughs> And, and hey, by the by the way, Richard Hightower also on that staff, right? With the 49ers. He's now with I think he's with the Bears. He used no, to be on that staff. He is with the Bears. And he's, right. Yeah, and he moved on. Remember, he was coaching the East West uh Shrine game. Yes, he was, he was head coach. That's yeah. right. That's so that was big, the Bears. Yeah, that was big. That was big for him. Because uh, yeah, I mean, because my man Richard Hightower started out with Shano and kind of rose through the ranks with him, and, and now he's kind of moved on doing his own thing. So congrats to him too. It's a big, big move for him. All right, before we get going, we're going to take some questions tonight to uh, have a little uh, conversation about Texas football recruiting. We're going to talk a little basketball maybe, Jerry. And yeah, CJ it's okay got, now. Got a quad one win on the road. We can hit that. Hey, yep. Yep. Nice. Hey, those are big. Uh, but, but first, I want to say thanks to our sponsor tonight. Uh, our sponsor, uh, TexasElectricityRatings.com. For those of y'all still living in Texas and in the major cities with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston, you understand that deregulation, deregulation, uh, the market can be confusing. Texas Electricity Ratings is a shopping website that lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, and find a good electricity plan that fits your needs. It also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans on websites like Power to Choose that simply trick customers into expensive bills. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, shop TexasElectricityRatings.com Use forward slash OTF for all your electricity needs. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for all your electricity needs. And they say hook them uh, to the Longhorn fan base. Hey, uh, guys, uh, let's we'll start uh, taking some some uh, conversation here. But I do want to get to the basketball team yesterday. CJ, mm-hmm. you and Jerry, I know both uh, were trading some texts back and forth privately that I was on. What did y'all think? Uh, tell fans what y'all thought of that game yesterday and what it meant for the Longhorns. Yeah, a huge win for the Texas Longhorns. They're th- you know, people like before the last couple after the ne- last couple of losses, I think people were wondering is Texas a tournament team. If you look at NCA.net, they they were 39 before that game. They're 32 after the quad one win. Texas is four and four in quad one games, and they have mostly quad one games left. Um, so I think you can actually get in the NCAA tournament a game under 500, under 500 in this league this year. It's very rare, but I do think it's going to be possible because there's going to be so many quad one uh, mm-hmm. Big 12 teams. Now, with that being said, if Texas can beat Iowa State, another quad one team at home Tuesday night, then they have West Virginia coming to town. If you can get that Iowa State game and you can get that West Virginia game, you swung, you then got three wins in a row. When you head into U of H, which is a tough matchup for Texas because U of H plays bully ball, and that's not what Texas' strength is. But that game in itself, look, as long as Texas plays through DeSue and Acemas on offense and everybody is complementary off of those two, Texas can score 75-plus points on the road or neutral in talent-neutralized games. And if you can do that, you have a chance to win. Defensively, the rebound and the basketball, they're not going to be a great defensive teams, not with six foot and 5'11 guards starting. You have to have elite rim protection behind that to be a good defensive team. But what they can do is if they rebound the ball well enough, then they can they can play good enough defense and they can limit second chance points. This team can score the basketball. They're 37, 38% from three. They're a good free throw shooting team. They'll probably be around 75% for the season. They have a great two-man game with Disu and Acemas, which creates optimal space. I think playing the three-guard lineup and certain Kendall Weaver defensively and that energy, he's got a lot of those same traits that Jabari Rice and Roshan Johnson have as a human being, as an athlete. And the more that guy plays, the more he impacts winning in ways that may not show up in the box score, but that guy's going to be big as the season goes on because that means he can guard an opponent's best guard, and you don't have to ask Tyrese Hunter or Acemas to do that all the time. Uh, and that's an ideal situation for Texas. They're finding the pieces right now. They're putting the puzzle together, 
Can they win enough of these games against quad ones to get to a, like a five, six, seven seed? It's not out of the question right now. I think they're hovering around that eight to 10 seed. Yeah. Three and two out of the last five games against top 25 teams. I mean, from what we were discussing about this team midway through the year, it didn't feel like that was going to be a, a possibility. Uh, I'll be quick here, but I wanted to just touch on, it feels like they found that core lineup uh, yeah. for the stretch down the stretch in, in crunch time. I mean, obviously, Max Aismith, you know, catching fire, you know, being a one of those microwave-like players in which he can heat up at any time. 13 points in the final three and a half minutes. Went on an 11-0 run to really put that game out of reach. It didn't necessarily feel like Texas had had that, you know, kind of momentum in late in games previously in the season. You're seeing it recently, the last time uh, they played Houston, obviously eliminated a 12-point deficit in the second half. Things kind of fell apart late, obviously, in overtime. But against a good team like Houston and then carrying it over – Again, to TCU, it's nice to see that in the second half, you're going to know that this team will be able to score and maintain, uh, you know, really competitive uh, possessions against, you know, quad one teams as we, as we were talking about. That's encouraging to me, and I think they're really piecing that together as we move forward. Where where are they sitting, guys, right now on the the bu- NCAA bubble? They're in. in right now, or are they? They're in, Bobby. They were in. Even Joe Lenardi had them last four by before the win at TCU. They're comfortably in right now. But, look, that can change in the Big 12. I mean, turn around and lose to Iowa State Tuesday night. You know, they shouldn't lose to West Virginia at home. But, look, they've been a bad home team, better on the road this year. Yeah, bizarre. And I think it's perfect motivation right now to go win home games, by the way. I think this TCU win, I think they're still going to be an up-and-down team uh, this season because some of the parts, they're just – they don't necessarily mix and match well. If you can take out – if you can get Disu in early foul trouble against Texas, Texas Probably. has a very tough time. Yes. Mm. Got it. Fair enough. All right. Hey, I, I got to say this real quick. I don't know if Matt, our producer, has it yet. He says he does have it. We we're talking about men's basketball. Somebody uh, wrote in the chat, hey, what about the women's basketball team winning at Baylor over the weekend? I, I talked to Bob Ballou, the, the uh, news anchor uh, in Austin, and he said he would allow me to run this uh, post-game a uh, little rant that uh, Vic Schaefer went on uh, <laughs> after beating uh, the uh, Baylor Bears uh, this week. And here's Bob Ballou uh, and interviewing uh, uh, Vic Schaefer after that game. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. We have to get our kids up every night because somebody's trying to whoop your butt. Obviously for Baylor, they said it all week. They were gonna send us out the right way send us off to the SEC, it was personal, it goes on and on. But here's the thing, you better be careful when you start talking about owning the state. Hmm. You better be careful. And I don't think they own the state since we've been in Austin. So there you got it. You overcame a lot tonight. I'm sure your heart stopped a couple of times when Aaliyah went down, Madison hobbles off. What did it take to overcome, not the injuries, as much as it did just this crowd, this atmosphere, and what Baylor can do to get this win tonight. It's toughness, man. Like, these kids are, what they're going through dealing with, Deanna Gaston, not not 60%. She's not ready, tried to give us some help, did tonight. Madison Booker ain't practiced in five days. I mean, unbelievable. That kid's a monster. If that ain't the best freshman in the country, I don't know who is. But what she's having to do for our team, run the team, run the points, score, assist, defend, the kid's unbelievable. I mean, that number 35 might be as good as the one they've had here before, back when he was a freshman. I mean, she is special. All right. Good stuff there, Matt. Thanks for putting that up for us. Hey, you think – I got a couple questions. He's he's invoking the Kevin Durant naming. Yeah, that was bold. (laughs) That's pretty bold. The second question I got for you, Rod Babers, is would you want to play for him? I love that you brought that up, that question. That's a great question. Because I, I, I remember telling uh, on our morning show, E. Hogan, I remember saying, I don't know if anybody on the 40 Acres can give a better pep talk, pregame speech, halftime speech than Big Schaefer. 
I'm sure there are some in the running, but I can't imagine who would come with more passion, right, than a guy like Nick Schaefer and who would challenge you more than Coach Schaefer. I, I'm with you. I love to play. But he's, he is all passion, man, he, and it, it, it we, we wears it on his sleeve. I will say that about Coach Schaefer. And, guys, they just beat number two in the country. All right, just beat K-State number two in the country. To do what they've done after losing Rory Harmon, it is truly extraordinary because yeah, it's like losing Quinn Ewers. It's like losing your starting quarterback. Losing TJ Ford. Exactly. That's like losing your best player. Yeah. And then still be able to to re reinvent yourself as a as a as a team. That's that's extraordinary. That's a credit to the team and the ladies, but also to Coach Schaefer too. By the way, that's probably the only time Kim Mulkey's ever cheered for Texas. Jared, <laughs> <laughs> you cannot get man. You can't. You can't stop them. You can only hope to get rid of. Hey, um, look, uh, look, we've got a couple questions here uh, that I want to get to. Uh, Honey Badger, how deep into the spring do you think we will know if we have a DT stud ready to roll or work the portal like heck? They'll be working back channels like heck, all that other stuff, but you're not going to know until April 15th at the very earliest because you can have all these other things you think might be happening, but until that player puts his name in the portal, you're at, I mean, there's good luck. Yeah, is what it is. So it's not just March, you know, February, mid-February, March. We won't know 100% for sure that something's going to break or the dam's going to break in that regard until April 15th, in my opinion. Now, they can enter the portal earlier than that, but the portal won't open until then. That's that's my take. All right, uh, got a couple of questions here. This one from Fresh Prince. Uh, it seems a lot like a lot of Max Mack and Charlie Strong era players have gone into coaching in Texas high school football. Peter Jenkins at Skyline, Ben Wells at Aldi Nimitz, Kenny Harrison. I guess I mean, he may have been Makovic, uh, right, Jerry? Was. Who are some others? Will it help recruiting? Well, there's a linebacker coach down at uh, down at uh, Mady Creek that you saw this yeah. today, yeah. right, that has a guy? Yeah, by the way, uh, Kenny Harrison played for that sh- team of the Sugar Bowl shirt that uh, CJ wears, uh, the 95 Texas. <laughs> Before <laughs> CJ was born, born by the way. way. On that team. Yeah. That's um, true. No, uh, Paula, uh Paula, the 2026 linebacker at Maid Creek. I talked to him today at a seven-on-seven event. And I do want to talk about Keoti Armstrong, which I talked to and watched today, which he gives me – I mean, I, I don't want to say yet. He gives me some some big-time vibes. The, 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 the tight end from Georgia now in the NFL, Darnell Washington, is what you could see him being if he maximizes his talent. But, yeah, uh, I asked uh, uh, Apollo today about – Rashad Bobineau and and what he said, tells him about Texas this is a 2026 linebacker who Texas offered. Jeff Banks and Sark were at the school last week. I think Bobineau uh, put a picture on social media, but uh, yeah, Bobineau's another one. I'll tell you what, then Aaron Bobineau is on the Desoto staff as one of I think he may be the D wow. coordinator of the Desoto. If not, he's he's a linebackers coach. But there are a number of guys. I'm sure there's some others, Rod. If we if we start thinking about it, that are. Uh, Coaching in high school football, CJ may have a couple as well. Oh, I mean, look, how about this? Shane Rink. I mean, that's before. Classic, that's before. But yeah, it was guys that played for Mac. Uh, isn't that isn't De La Torre coaching too? De La Torre. De La Torre is coaching. That's yeah. right. Wiley East, and then his brother's up at Denton Ryan. Yeah. Dude, we should come with a master list. That's a pretty, that's a great question, though. We should come with a master list because I'm with you. I, I didn't think about it, but you're right. Now that I'm kind of running through the names, there are quite a bit of excellent. Up at Marlin ones. as well. Yeah, does Cedric Griffin just coach track or does he coach football as well? That's a good question. I don't know. Said just coaching track. That's a good question. Yeah, I think he's just doing track right now. Okay, that was my understanding. I uh, I did want to mention this that that when you start talking about guys and what they're doing nowadays, there is no more appropriate job than what Anthony Anthony Wheeler does for the he's a cop for the Dallas Police Department. Nah. And he looked like a cop, man. You look, yeah. you look at him and he is built like, uh, I don't think I want to run that red light. Hey, hey, by the way, uh, Norborough, great call. Jermaine Anderson's D coordinator, uh, Texas City, his alma mater. Oh, that's a good one. I played with Jermaine Anderson. Yeah, that Texas City foe, right? Yep. In that group. I remember that Irvin, group. Irvis Hill. Can you name yep. Irvis Hill? Tyrone Irvin. Jones. Eric Rawls. Eric Rawls there we go, Eric Rawls. Yeah, man. That was a good group. That team. Yeah, hey, and John Adams is right. Anthony Wheeler's former nickname is Prison. Charlie Strong would he <laughs> 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 
45 or prison or whoever. Uh, I, I've never seen a guy that looked like more appropriate for his job. I'll just oh, put it that way. And I'm not talking about <laughs> NFL players, but I'm talking about layman. Jeez. But hey, football oh, wow. gym, question. Why, guys, why do y'all think Jalen Ford is dropping in the ranks at his position? I'm reading he is a fifth to eighth pro- prospect at linebacker. What, what do y'all make of that? Anybody have a, have a thought on that, Rod? It's, it's number one. It's not just Jalen Ford. It's the And I don't know why, by the way. Off-ball linebacker period, which is crazy. You look at, you know, the, the teams, the last, the final four teams in the NFL playoffs, and you kind of look at the team, like what they emphasized in terms of roster construction, off-ball linebacker for both of those teams, really, really good, right? For what you talk about the Ravens uh, with Roquan Smith and what you talk about the 49ers with Greenlaw and Fred Warner. I mean, off-ball linebacker is really important these days, and yet it's not considered a premium, what they call a premium position. So naturally, if it's not a premium position, it gets pushed down. Uh, and the premium positions are drafted higher, quarterback, you're now wide receivers one tackle edge rusher. Those are your premium positions. But I'll tell you now you're starting to see some teams emphasize what aren't premium positions like tight end, like off ball linebacker. And if you start studying the NFL, hell, all the really good teams do have really elite players at those kind of non premium positions too. off ball linebacker, tight end into D tackle. I went over that when we talk about football theory uh, with coach Shipley. So yeah, it's, 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 it's less about Jalen Ford and more about the position overall, but yeah, right now he's considered about the fifth. I think the fifth best off ball linebacker. I think he's the best coverage off ball linebacker. And trust me when it comes to making it for a roster, which he will, but it comes to playing early, that matters in today's NFL because it's a pass first league. That's I, not. I think, I think testing is going to be huge for him too. I, I think some people yeah. are expecting him to not put up great testing times. He's not I, a freak athlete. He's not yeah. a freak. He's going. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to insult Jalen Ford. I think he's a hell of a player, but he's not considered a freak athlete. Right. Right. He's considered a high IQ cerebral athlete and that's why he diagnoses plays quicker and he, that's why he may get there but it was not a when you watch him on film it doesn't jump off that he made some freakish athletic play it's more about him as a as a chess master as a football player diagnosing plays which i think he's excellent and by the way guys that's how you end up being a, a, a nine ten year nfl veteran is the the cerebral aspect because you're athletic freakishness will dis it will dissipate over the years at about three or four years you're not going to be the athletic freak out there with the rest of them freaks that's just the way the nfl works the guys who play as veterans and end up playing eight to ten years in the league those are the guys who learn the, the they learn how to be students of the game and i think Jalen ford's light years ahead of everyone when it comes to being a student of the game i'm, I'm gonna add this because I, I went to several uh media availability availabilities this year where Jalen was available. Mm-hmm. Um, takes the sport extraordinarily seriously, takes his work within that weight room and within that program extraordinarily seriously. So he may be a fifth to eighth linebacker, whatever. He's gonna maximize whatever it is he does. He's on the Roshan Johnson path. He's what? He's on the Roshan Johnson path. It's I very like that. simple. Very I, I think it starts when 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 he first came to Texas. He was the lowest rated commit in that class. He was a guy that was had to you know previously commit to Utah and out of state school before a lot of schools really started getting him the interest late in that cycle as well. So it's always that chip on the shoulder that you know obviously grew into a, a you know a plate of, of of chips basically you know a big bowl up there. It wasn't just one. It, it kind of built up over a while, and we're seeing it you know really reap the benefits of being that hard nose or hard worker there. Yeah, CJ, I, I to try to explain to people what I'm talking about because you witnessed it there. You were in some press conferences as well. His, his um, ethos or his way of being was categorically different than just about every other players that would walk through there. You you agree with that? Yeah, certainly. I, I think you know when you when you get these high prospects and you know you, you expect greatness from them right away you know it, there's a little bit of a different path that you expect for guys kind of in that three star lower uh, lower category of the rankings and and for Ford sp- specifically I thought he really bought into that I need to come to Texas I need to earn everything that I get because there's no guarantee that I will ever see the field and I think we saw that 
his entire time here. You talk about the Roshan Johnsons, the Bijans, the guys that really set the standard. He carried that in 2023. Uh, one of my favorite stories from the season as well is during one of those player media availabilities, he actually pulled out a, a, a little sports trading card of Dick Buckus. He had it up in his wallet and he's, you know, sitting there thinking he's if if there's one guy that I you know am going to model my game around, it was more about the Buckus Award for the best linebacker in the country. He's like, I stare at this every day because that's what I strive to be. I strive to be the best linebacker in the country. I strive to be the guy that I can look at, my teammates can rely on, and I can set the uh, the standard and be an example for this program. And as you mentioned, I've, I thought he's done a tremendous job, but it started from the very beginning, and that mindset's only going to further his career in the NFL uh, the minute that he gets there. I, I I agree. I think his mindset is what I was getting at. Just the whole the way he carried himself. I mean, you could tell at Big 12 media days early in the season, then throughout the year, every time he met with the media, he was that kind of guy. Hey, I want to say this, though, and that's that leads us to a good question here. William Lauder, uh, Lawler, look for Anthony Hill to be a leader on defense. Is that who we think is going to be the leader on defense? Is it going to be Baron Sorrell? Is Johnny the leader type? I mean, what do, what do y'all think? Who's going to be the leader on defense? There's an underrated name that we probably haven't talked a whole lot about, but Mo Blackwell as well. He's one uh, comes from a very good program up in Denton, uh, or sorry, Arlington Martin. Is uh, a guy that is now one of the older statesmen in the room. You know, he's a guy that's been around. He's been in the system for a while. He's expected to be a contributor and be on the field pretty often this upcoming season. Behind the scenes, that's a name that I've heard pretty often in terms of leading workouts in winter conditioning so far, as well as Baron Sorrell. Usually the best leaders make plays, a lot of plays, yeah. though. And, yeah. And that, you know, David Benda has been a guy that's ranked, moved up the ranks. Hill is obviously maybe the best, most talented defensive player. Rod, what, what do you think on this? Who, who do you think needs to step I, up? I may be a little biased, but I think it's going to come from the secondary. Um, I think Makuba's going to come in as a guy who's a proven veteran that's already done it at, the, at a really high level um, with a big-time program. I think he can come in being a leader. And I was talking uh, – you know, CJ was there. We did our third Longhorn broadcast, talked to uh, Gavin Holmes. And, you know, Gavin Holmes, I was talking about, hey, which one of the DBs are talking? Like, which one of these guys are being vocal about their leadership? Uh, and he talked about Makuba and talked about Jade Barron. I think that's where the leadership should come from. Those guys have seen a lot of football. Anthony Hill is just uber talented, and he wants to be a leader, right? Talking to that young man, this is a guy that wants he wants that burden, yeah. That and he's he's looking forward to that burden. You talk to some of these young guys, and you can tell they can't wait to be a leader. Uh, a young Colin Simmons, he can't wait, right? He, he's he's patiently waiting his turn, but he can't wait to be a leader. And I remember thinking to myself, right, when I was sitting behind my Quentin Jammer and, and Ahmad Brooks in that room and thinking to myself, hey, one day this is going to be my DB room. It's going to be my DB room. I'm going to set the standard. I'll I'll be the one to break us down in the, in the huddles. I'll be the one that has to organize all the offseason workouts for the players. It's going to be my DB room. We're going to play to the standard that I decide. And, you know, I mean, it's and it, there is a certain pride with that. And I do think, you know, Jalen Ford was one of those guys. I think he kind of passed that down as a lineage to it. And yeah, I, I think the secondary, I, I want to see Makuba. I want to see Jay Barron. You guys have seen a lot of football. I want to see those guys step up and challenge their peers and be vocal leaders, but also be the guys that obviously you got to lead by example. As Bobby said, nobody's going to listen to you being a leader if you don't ball out. Then you right. get laughed at. I'm telling you that straight up. Those guys, man, they get laughed at. The guys who are talking a lot, but they're not on the field performing. No, nah, man, you can't. We can't have that. All right, you want to talk a lot, then you need to be out there on the field leading by example. That's the way it breaks out, and that's the way it goes down on the team. So the, your best players, they almost have to be your leaders, and when they're not, that's when you don't have the player-led team you need. To, to Rod's point, Anthony Hill definitely wants to be a leader. Look, he comes mm -hmm. from a program where they put leadership on their top players. Denton mm -hmm. Ryan, a lot of deep playoff runs. Right, that that's the one thing they do so great. I, uh, we talked about Alex De La Torre. His father, Aaron, obviously is on that staff, uh, but uh, high up on that staff. But they put leadership on those guys there. Um, and so Anthony Hill's been a leader of a program with expectations. So it's not new for him. It's different, but it's not new. And I think he relishes the opportunity at Texas. Jerry, I want to stay with you real quick because uh, you had mentioned Keoti Armstrong yeah. out of Jasper and said that you had a chance to sit down and talk with him. A little bit. I saw some photos on uh, on TexasFootball.com, the website that you had that you posted up there today uh, with your uh, little interview of him. 
what 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 were give people the takeaway from that for you? This is one of the nation's top tight end prospects. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So first I'll start with the prospect, Coyote, the prospect. He's averaging about 14 and nine in basketball right now, but he's not really, it's not what he does, right? Um, he's six five and change, 250, 248, 250 right now. And I'm gonna throw out the term Darnell Washington, who's a little bit taller, an inch and a half taller, but Darnell Washington, similar athletes, and Darnell Washington that being a high-level blocker at the University of Georgia, also an underrated pass catcher, third-round pick in the NFL draft. I think college coaches, the, any Alabama, everybody's going to Jasper to see this guy. Um, and I think they all see that shorter, inch-and-a-half shorter version of Darnell Washington, that upside in him. So as a prospect, you're talking 10-and-a-half-inch hands, over 80-inch wingspan. He's got all of it, and he's a smooth mover on the football field. And he's still raw. He's learning the position. He's learning the game. Uh, he, he's not a refined route runner at all. So anybody that watches this tape, that's not what he is right now. And that's what gives him such a high ceiling. Uh, my takeaway is I think Texas is the favorite for him right now. And, and I don't think it's just because Ty Anthony Smith flipped for man into the Texas. Ty Anthony's told him he thinks he made a great decision since he's been in Austin. Uh, Coyote had a chance to spend some time with him at the January 20th junior day. I think it's also the, the offensive scheme with the tight end position. I mean, look, young tight ends, especially in Texas, are going to really identify with how Texas uses the tight ends. And as great as I think the Sark used JT Sanders, I think Nyblack's going to take it to another level next year because people are going to see this guy racing down the freaking field. Um, but uh, so that is part of it as well. It, it's Ty Anthony. It's the scheme. Um, I think. I think Coyote's, it likes Austin a little bit. I, I think he likes that too. That's a vibe I got. But I think Texas is in a pretty good spot. He will. He's scheduled to make an unofficial visit March 22nd when his seven-on-seven team makes an unofficial visit to Texas before they play in a tournament in the Austin area, March 23rd, 24th. I think that's also when Brandon Brown, the four-star D-tackle out of Melbourne O'Galley, is it will be visit Austin is that same weekend when his team, his seven-on-seven team, Cali Power, is in the Austin area for seven on seven tournament. That's interesting because that's uh, that's some good recruiting scoop there. I didn't know about Brandon Brown. Hey, I want to bring you back around and to have you and uh, CJ just stick with recruiting here, Jerry. Uh, do you guys think that OU? And this is from Stone Man. Do you guys think that OU making an early push like they did with Ryan Foji committed to the Sooners today could be related to a completely new O line, all five new starters, a new Q QB, Dylan Gabriel off to Oregon. Jackson Arnold having to start now. And all of that could be leading to a rough start for them in the SEC. Therefore, they want to get guys in the boat and then just try to hang on to them. Do you think that's part of what they're doing here, CJ or, or Jerry? I think it certainly plays into an aspect of it. I think right now a lot of it falls onto the position coaches of really maintaining and creating really strong relationships early on in this cycle. OU had to replace both the defensive coordinator and their offensive coordinator left for Mississippi State. So I'm thinking a lot of that, not pressure, but kind of uh, push came from the relationships from the position coaches to make sure that, hey, if we're not an early position, I can't fall back on a guy coming in over my shoulder. That's not Brent Venables to help me with this recruitment. It's got to be more on me. Uh, we're seeing it a little bit more. I think they're, Jerry mentioned it earlier in the video. I'll let him speak on it a bit. But they're being more aggressive because there's, you know, a, a window there for them to be. a and still figuring things out. And Texas right now is kind of in that spot where they can sit back and really trust their evaluations and see how things progress because of their on-field success, it allows them that, that more time to kind of see exactly who they want before going in and allowing that green light to be uh, to be lit for these prospects to join the class. Look, I, I, I'm going to say this from an Oklahoma perspective. If, if I'm on Oklahoma staff and I'm recruiting in Texas, I'm going to be very aggressive on guys we think we're in a decent to good position with because we know if you're Oklahoma – that Sark is playing the long game in recruiting, right? And and to CJ's point, A&M's, you know, they tried to get kids on campus early in January to at least get in the door with those guys, introduce those guys to their new staff. But it's more Texas OU for me right now. Everybody knows that Sark is very patient recruiting, and it works beautifully for him and has three straight classes and will a fourth straight class. There's a lot of good players out there. But if you're Oklahoma – you're absolutely dumb if you're not going in hard after guys you think you can get right now, knowing there's 10, 11, 12 really good offensive line prospects in the state. And there's a guy like John Mills who I talked to 
today from San Francisco, who Texas loves. It's going to come in and make an official visit in June. But so Sark, Texas, Flood, they're going to they're playing this long game in recruiting. So how do you combat that if you're Oklahoma? You go try to get two or three or four guys in the boat that you think you can that are really good players. You're not taking reaches. You're not taking reaches in the state this year. There's too much talent in the state of Texas, especially in the offensive line this year. But I think what Oklahoma is doing is absolutely correct uh, with their strategy right now. All right, one last recruiting question, and then we'll get to some more. Uh, we have some super chats on the team and stuff that I want to get to. KD35, Ohio State leaning Devin Sanchez and then offered today. He's a, a number one ranked cornerback in the country, I believe. Do you think that those two commitments actually helps Texas now with Dorian Brew, the cornerback out of Conroe? CJ, I see you shaking your head yes. Yeah, from a very simple perspective of if you're Terry Joseph, you can go up and say, hey, we've – We've yet to take a cornerback because you're a top of our board. You know, there's two other guys that Ohio State has in the class now, albeit very talented, two five-star guys. You can't say that if you're Ohio State. And that's kind of the, the biggest threat right now to Texas. We mentioned the January 24th date that we were kind of monitoring where he thought a potential commitment could have come. At the time, it would have been to Ohio State. But Texas did a tremendous job on the January 20th junior day, keeping him behind a little bit, getting more face-to-face -face time with Dorian Brew and really just pitching to him, hey, come stick home, come play for us. We're building something nice going into the SEC. And plus, we're turning around what had been kind of a sluggish defensive back room and got into rooms that now you expect to see uh, NFL talent year in and year out. So uh, right now, it certainly helps Texas from the side of saying, if you're top two right now with Texas and Ohio State, there's no easier sign to, to point to really and say, hey, you're our number one 100%. Come play for us. Come stay home. Be a part of something special here. Jerry, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think him backing off that January 24th commitment date, obviously he was going to Ohio State if he committed at that point in time. There was no question. Um, but with him backing off that date, that was great news for Texas. Texas has proven they're all in on him. Uh, so I, I think I think this is a long a longer game recruitment now, and I think that those always work to Sarkeesian's favor, especially as early as Ohio State's getting guys in the boat right now. Yeah, hey, Texas uh, has seen them what three times in the last month, whether it be on the road or in campus. That's it's building up, and I, like you said, I, it's working in out in their favor as as this one continues to go. This is going to be one for Rod here, and I don't know because Rod likes to do the the deep dives on where. Everybody comes from. If y'all didn't get a chance, by the way, to see Jerry and CJ talk over the weekend about the recruiting heat map, uh, y'all should definitely check that out. Uh, Matt, our producer, did a great job with that. CJ and uh, and uh, uh, Jerry did a great job as well, uh, filling in the blanks. Uh, here's uh, from Odell uh, or O'Doyle rules. Here's a Super Bowl stat for you: five starters in the Super Bowl on offense, defense are from DFW high schools. Rasheed Rice. Uh, Nick Bolton, that's the, the linebacker yeah, that yeah. the zoo, right? Yeah. is out. Then Brendel and Gibson as well. I've got, I've got something on Gibson. I'm going to start. Wow. Gibson we had at Deion Sanders' prime 21 camp, his junior year. And he was tiny, 5'9", uh, 155. But I'll back it up to this day, he was the best freaking football player that day on the field. Uh, his ball skills, his instincts, just understanding how to play the ball. It's just so good in the return game. Everything he does, pure-ass football player. Mm -hmm. That guy went to SFA. Nobody wanted him. And he, to me to this day, I'm still shocked how under-recruited he was. That guy is a freaking player. Ball don't lie, right? <laughs> Brendel was an offensive lineman, Rod, uh, offensive lineman out of Plano East that went and yeah. played a – I think he's a four-year starter for UCLA as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so all of those guys, not the highest rated. I mean, who's the highest rated guy there? Ominahu? Ominahu, maybe. Nick, Nick Bolton was one of the – went to Missouri, right? was similar to Jalen Ford, right? I mean, limited power five offers. Uh, super instinctive. Now, he's got a powerful frame and body type right out of Frisco, but a si similar recruit to Jalen Ford coming out of high school. All right. Now, this was uh, jo Justin Yarbrough. We've been talking about guys needing to gain weight in the offseason. What are some realistic goals for the guys on the D-line 
and guys like Cedric Baxter, CJ Baxter, and Mo Blackwell. Hey, it's, Rod, you uh, you mm-hmm. saw and talked with uh, CJ Baxter uh, yeah. early earlier this year uh, after the after the the Sugar Bowl. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. what what were some of the takeaways you had for him uh, and where you thought he might end up? And then uh, we'll talk about the other guys in a second. Uh, well, man, just uh, he's. First of all, his body wise, just his body type. He's long range. He got a great frame. I mean, honestly, he looks like he could add good 10 pounds and it really wouldn't affect his performance at all. I mean, I, I was shocked actually at how 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 big he was uh and his frame. Um, but it, once he puts on the armor, puts on a little bit of armor, 10, 12 pounds, I mean, he's gonna be a force. Uh, in terms of his maturity, I was blown away, frankly. Um, young man is mature beyond his years. Uh, he talked about how he came there just to learn from, you know, the running backs in that room that he was not thinking about starting when he first got there. That wasn't his goal. His goal was to learn as much, soak up as much information as he could. Um, you know, as a young man who talks about, you know, how the, how team oriented, you know, things are and how team oriented he is. Uh, he's very unselfish as a, as a running back. I did. He listens to, I listened to a Dale, I believe that was weird before the game. <laughs> That's that's probably my only knock. That's my only yeah. knock on like how you jam a Dale before the games. But yeah. I mean, he's he, he's a very mature young man. I mean, like I said, mature beyond his years. And I do think that you know he won the starting job this year as a freshman. I think he'll be your bell cow next year. But it'll be a complimentary run backfield with Jaden Blue and Cedric Baxter. Given you know, hopefully nobody getting injured, that'll be the bulk of your your backfield and your touches. Uh, for your running backs. I want to share this story on Cedric Baxter. I shared this coming out of high school, but what we had seven, 8,000 people uh, on here back then. Now we have over 36,000. But I'll never forget when I was at Edgewater High, um, and I went and I think we used the, the interview with him on, on Texas football, but he was injured. He had a minor hamstring pull. He could have played. They saved him for the playoffs because they had games they were going to win. But you know, five-star running back, number one ranked running back in the country. What does he do that practice I was there? He was not on the sidelines mm-hmm. having fun with his pods in, all that. He was in the huddle every single play, engaged in a practice, yep. I believe, on a Tuesday afternoon. So three days before game day, a game he wasn't playing. He was engaged. He was making sure the backup running back knew where to line up on the pass pro plays. Uh, he was out there coaching helping, being engaged. Guys like that are generally successful in this game long-term that are that way in high school. Yep. I love I love that story, Jerry. And I think it goes back to the type of players that they're recruiting right now at Texas, whether it be, you know, stories like that in which they, they live and die and they breathe football. But also, you know, I think that plays into how successful they've been for their high school teams in Texas recruiting and, and finding state champions as well. So it's a specific mold of prospects that this staff is targeting and obviously getting into class and onto campus that is really going to help keep Texas atop of what, you know, we have seen this past season. Good stuff, guys. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Mo Blackwell and those guys in a second and, and maybe what the D-line needs to get up to. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, the live stream tonight uh, brought to you by our friends at Texas Electricity Ratings. For anyone out there shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the place to find a great electricity plan for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are all hat and no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can shop by rate, but also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account seasonal usage to give you a real number and not just a placeholder. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for the best options available. Uh, They say hook them to Longhorn fans out there. Uh, Hey, let me ask you guys this. Uh, You know, we talked early on, CJ, you talked about Alex January dropping 10 pounds and and Colin Simmons adding 15 or so. Uh, you know, where do we want to see these guys at? Like, where, where do we want to see Alfred Collins at? Where do we want to see Jare Bledsoe at? That's one of the ones that's important to me. Ver, Vernon Broughton. Any, any thoughts on those guys? I, I think right now I was actually surprised at how big Alfred got to coming into this past season. I think he was right around 317, maybe even 320. 
to me, I was, you know, I'm thrilled with how big they are and how, you know, you, you see the mass in person. You're like, you know, it's going to be hard to move that guy out of the way. But maintaining that athleticism and, and flexibility more so than not with Alfred is going to be important for me because he's such a, a superb athlete. And what he does sometimes gets him in trouble a little bit on the field because of how athletic he is. I'd like to see Alfred right at 315. I think you can man that three tech spot and even slide outside uh, to a five if necessary at that size and length and athleticism, that's going to be the spot for me. 315 feels good. I'd love to see Dre Bledsoe get up to 295. I don't know if that's too much of a re of a reach there, but the closer I can get to 300 with him, I know that his athleticism is going to be, uh, you know, in that conversation for pound for pound, the most athletic guy on the team, which is crazy coming from a defensive tackle that really hasn't seen a lot of rotational time at the moment, but he's a freak athlete. I'd love to see him get to 300 because he's going to be able to carry that weight very well. Uh, Vernon Broughton to me, I feel like could slim down a little bit, but if he's going to be, uh, asked to play the, the nose or slide in that nose spot, there's no need for it. You know, I feel like he's going to have to be loading up specifically in the lower body for me for Vernon Broughton. That was one of the kind of the question marks in his recruitment. Could he eventually build up a, a stronger, thicker base and play on the interior and maintain kind of that impact, uh, at the point of, a, of attack right there. So, It'll be interesting. Uh, and then you obviously talk about Sadir Mitchell. I mean, you, you, we saw 360 handled well with Devondre Sweat, but that's not necessarily going to be the case for Sadir right away. I'd like to see him below 350 going into spring ball, just so you can know he is going to be able to move at the level of which you're going to be needed to at call in college now. Hey, y'all may have talked about it. How do you, where do y'all see Savea playing fitting in the scheme? I don't know if y'all broke that down. A three. Three technique. Yep. They still need a they still need a nose tackle. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That, that was one of the interesting things whenever we uh we dove into the numbers from his Arizona snaps. I think it was it was close to 80% of his snaps came uh at the 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 three tech. The other, you know, large majority came outside at a five. So yeah. very rarely was it strictly over the nose or the center there. Yep. Thanks for asking for clarification there, there, Jerry, because a lot of people just assume defensive tackle, one's intercha interchangeable with another. Obviously, a lot of football fans know that's not true, but some still think defensive tackle is a defensive tackle, et cetera, uh, when there are, there's some nuance to it. And, and by, by the way, Bobby, I want to say thank you for representing Matt Maloney and the Penn Quakers tonight. Oh, this is for my daughter, Moran. <laughs> I know, but hey, reference, Matt Maloney, come on. This is my daughter. <laughs> He's, the only, He's the only player from Penn I could think of. Uh, I'll tell you the best. Really, really. Time out. So I got to say this. Chuck <laughs> Daly was on the – was on Chuck oh, Daly was the wow. basketball coach at Penn before he went to the – he went to a couple other places, then went to the Pistons. Damn. He took, he took Penn to the final four in the 70s. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. They yeah, were I guarantee you they were the most physical team in the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> they broke <laughs> Rick Mahorn was not at Penn, though, guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> hey, here, Jerry, the, let me ask you this uh, from Gavin. Which basketball players do you see getting drafted this year for the Longhorns? Does Dylan sneak into the first round for his rebounding? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, look, he's projecting mid-second round right now. I just I, I think he's three years away as an offensive player from really being a first-round offensive player. Um, but I, I like the progression he's made this year. and that, He's just got to play stronger with the basketball as he continues to build his game. Too many unforced turnovers for me. Um, but, uh, no, I don't think he will be, I think what's going to be interesting though, I think he's the only guy that gets drafted. Um, D Sue's injury history, he'll get into a camp. I think the interesting guy is Max Asmus. It, he's not going to be drafted. A lot of people say no chance he'll make the M NBA. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I think it's Memphis that has a five, eight guy starting at point guard right now due to injury. There's bigger rosters now. Um, uh, Max is going to be interesting to see if he just wills himself onto an NBA roster somehow, some way. Probably be in the G League, be in a camp. He shoots it too well. He plays under control so well. He, he plays an NBA game with the spacing. Um, you don't need breakdown point guards. You need guys that understand spacing. Um, I'll be so interested, interested to see if he just wills himself onto a roster. I mean, it's a different player, totally. Jabari Rice willed himself on to the Spurs roster. I mean, he's not there right now, uh, but it, those guys have, they tend to find a way to make a career in basketball. I think Max will do that. Yep. And the spacing is going to be huge for him. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, guys that can shoot like that are ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, they, they carry a premium if you can score. All right, Ski Breck, I'm stoked about the NFL draft and Absolutely. seeing all those Texas players going oh, yeah. pro as we, we enter the SEC. Rod, I wrote something today about it. Rarely do you see a team that has eight players going in the NFL draft. We, we're pretty sure at least eight are going to go. But yep. then the expectations for Texas next year are just as high, if not higher. Despite all those guys going pro, what, what you always like to talk this, but from a player's perspective, you see those guys leaving, going to the pro, the Jalen Forge, Christian Jones, and you're happen to be a sophomore or junior on that team. What, what, yeah. do your eyes just get big as saucers and you're saying, I want some of that? Is that what you're thinking and kind of dedicate yourself to this offseason? Well, wait, and not only that, right? You see the you see the yellow brick road. It's right in front of you. You know that the coaching works, right? That's confirmed. The coaching works. The development works. Uh, it's confirmed. Texas has the resources, and it's confirmed. You got the talent. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in that room. That's the pipeline I'm talking about, and all the guys can see it now. Um, it's clear to them, and it will be confirmed when obviously we got a lot of guys. Right? I think Texas is probably going to dominate the second round of this draft. I think it'll be. I think the second round of the draft will be a Texas-dominated second round. When you think about it, the first round, they got A.D. Mitchell kind of dropping late in the first. Byron, Byron Murphy's rising. He ain't worked out. He's rising up draft boards. That's just people watching film. They're watching film right now about Murphy. That's why he's why he's, he's rising up draft boards. But when you think about J.T. Sanders and X-Man, I think A.D. Mitchell, because it's a deep wide receiver draft, deepest position in football at any level. So every year is deep. But it's going to push A.D. Mitchell down a little bit because he's probably the sixth, seventh best receiver in the draft. Push him down to the second round. And then you got, I say, I think it's Tavondre Sweat's a second-round guy. But he, you know, the way he performed the senior bowl, man, it's a guy that potentially in the NFL, it all comes together, can be an elite D tackle in the NFL if it all comes together for him. Um, so I think he's going to end up being drafted in the second round too. I just think a lot of the guys are going to end up right around that second round. I think you have four guys potentially drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. That's a lot in I, one I, round. I, I responded on Bobby's uh, thread on ontexasfootball.com. If you count Bird Auburn uh, for, for the people saying, oh, how, Texas, will they be as good next year? 21 players I project to start that have started a Power 5 game. Next year for right. Texas, 21. Right. And we don't know what they're going to do. At That's with eight losses to the NFL. That's right. That's why a blue blood in the portal has no excuse to ever have, say, we're a young football team. You can't mm -hmm. say it if you're a blue blood. Maybe if you go through a coaching change like Alabama just did, maybe a little bit. But if you don't, there's no excuse to be an inexperienced football team anymore at all. Jerry, was that one? Was that John Tay Cook? Now, Cam Williams started one game, the linebacker, what they're going to do with the other linebackers gotcha. other than Anthony Hill. Gotcha. But, I mean, if you think about it, just think about it. Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden, uh, Isaiah Bond, Nye Black started a lot of Power 5 football games, right? Cuba, Cam, William, Cam Williams has one start against K-State. Yep. He's, he's the least experienced guy. But you go to the D-line. I mean, Savea coming in, if he starts. I mean, the guys play a lot of football at a Power 5 level in meaningful games. Makuba's played a lot of meaningful games. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a team that has a ton of experience next year. Uh, and, and that's why I've said, why, because you know I love punter talk. If they go with Michael Kern and don't go to the portal for a punter, that tells you how high Jeff Banks is on, on Michael Kern, by the way. Interesting, because that would be their only – that and and we think defensive tackle. They need to add a defensive tackle. Yeah. For I mean, they just have to. They don't. They don't have enough right now. Yeah. Uh, but punter is one of those that has a complete uh, open spot because of Ryan Sandboard's uh, departure. Uh, hey, uh, let me ask you all a couple. We got time for a couple more questions here, and I'm going to get through those. I'm going to let people go to the Grammys. Uh, Rod Babers, you got to go get ready for a, a, your your <laughs> surgery tomorrow. Poor, poor wisdom teeth, my man. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to be you or your wife tomorrow afternoon. You'll be taking care of two babies. Yeah. And this is from Team Mattia. Uh, do you guys think that the Texas staff finds the physical skill traits first, but then uses the mental and culture as the key differentiators? And is that one of the reasons why Steve Sarkeesian doesn't like to push for early commitments, maybe? Because that's one of the things that we've talked about how OU's pushing because they kind of have to, we think, right now. They don't have a lot of big momentum, really, uh, other than what they're generating on their own. 
what, what do y'all think of this, this idea that, that Sark kind of lets things play out because he wants to look, know a little bit more about the players themselves? Look, look, at about, look at how many guys they offered in January when they were out on the road. I, I really think that you're seeing Sark say we can get got more guys on campus. We can evaluate more guys fully and further. The more guys – like the junior day um, had 150 kids on campus. Now, some were 2026s, obviously. But that was as much of an evaluation day as it was a recruiting day. That's continued evaluation process. There's – you know, Texas is a, a luxury position right now, and I know fans will – some of the Texas fans, they see a Foji commit, though. You, oh, man. Well, yeah, Texas loves Ryan Foji. They're on a ton of really good offensive line prospects, and they want to continue to evaluate those guys. There's only three guys that I've heard are coming in for June official visits on the offensive line. That's Fasusi, and that's Tyler Thomas, and that's John Mills uh, from St. Ignatius and Sam Fran. Uh, those guys have told Texas they're going to come in an official visit in June. Texas is still looking at a lot of these guys. They want to evaluate these guys. I think that's such a great position for Sark to be in. He knows he can get more guys to campus, further that evaluation process. I've said that's where Nick had college football the whole time, is that he won at such a high level. He could get every kid he wanted to his campus. And when you can get every kid to your campus, then you evaluate off the film, but then you evaluate the rest of it when they're there. The people around them, the kid – how they are. You can put the quarterback on the board with the quarterback coach and OC. You can do so many things when you get as many kids to campus as you want. That makes it for a great evaluation process. Hey, hey Rod, what about the, the mental and culture as key differentiators? You've seen it at the highest level. How big, I mean, is that just like, I guess my question for the way I see it is it's not just kind of big. It's as big as anything at the very highest level. Right now in college, it's kind of big, but when you get to the pros, that's all it is. Cause they're all freaks. Is yep. that, is that kind of what you think? No, I, I, I love what uh, the person that chat just said. Cause I totally agree. I think, and I've talked about this maybe on a more micro scale, maybe they're talking about uh, things like more, more macro, but you know, you don't, you don't, you don't try to coach and develop coverage or pass rushing ability. You, you recruit it, you bring it in and then you can teach them, um, the other elements of the game, right? We can teach them how to take on blocks. We can teach them leverage. Uh, we can teach them all the basic fundamentals. But there's certain traits I think they're gonna they're as the coaches they are coveting right now. Um, and I think physically coverage is one of them. I think pass rushing ability is one of those. Uh, but also there are intangibles. Right? There are some of these uh, immeasurables. They're also coveting. Sark talked about how he likes players coming from championship programs with championship pedigree, championship DNA. Because I do think those programs, and I have to play against a lot of these programs. I think Houston Lamar's got a, a decent culture there football-wise as well, where they weed out bad football character or they rehabilitate it. Right. So if you only have good football character, you don't have great work ethic. Uh, you know, you're, you're not one of those guys that has a lot of mental toughness that they can kind of weed that out. Or if you end up, you know, working your way up through one of those programs like Duncanville and Jerry just talked about it, DeSoto, some of these other programs, you've got to have it, it. It basically molds your football character. <laughs> and, you know, the guys that are coming out of those programs as, as elite athletes, that their football character has been cultivated to a certain extent where Sark knows I ain't got to teach them work ethic. I ain't got to teach them, you know, leadership. I don't have to teach them about, you know, being a, a good teammate, just certain things that usually you got to start from the bottom in terms of building a player up and, and creating and cultivating a football character. You ain't got to worry about all that. So I think Sark likes having a bit of an advantage recruiting some of the players from great football programs, number one. And I think that's also something that they're, they're recruiting more of. He likes that about, you know, these young guys coming out. They've been a part of some championship DNA and they got a little bit of it. in them. Can I add yeah. to that? I want to add to that real quick. Yeah, go for it. Everybody talks about Nick's Saban signing number one classes, number two classes for 15 straight years. And everybody talks about who he got. Think about how many players he turned down. Think about how many players he turned down that he didn't see as fits in his to keep his culture and to keep his program where he wanted it because he could get anybody he wanted in America for over a decade. So think about how much talent he turned down. Uh, I'll say that the other thing, I think the biggest thing for Sark and this staff, now that and everybody has to go through this when you reach a certain point of level of success, these next couple of classes, they got to make sure they're not recruiting a lot of kids that just expect it to happen. 
mm-hmm. that understand why it happens. That's the biggest thing to Rod's point and you guys, what y'all are talking about. It's the biggest trap coaches can get into is you're still assembling a team, not just collecting talent. That's always number one with these big time programs. And what did Jeff Banks say? Jeff Banks said, we're looking for signs. We're looking for signs. And if we don't see them signs, a lot of people are going to wonder why we didn't recruit that guy. Why didn't we close on that guy? Why didn't they go harder after that guy? They don't see the signs to Jerry's point. That's what they're making sure they recruit the, the right type of attitude here. And if they don't see the signs of respect for teammates, respect for the culture, respect for the game, that kind of stuff, they're going to move on. Sark had a tweet today where he was, if I'm not mistaken, you guys look at his Twitter account where he's quote tweeting LeBron James and LeBron James is rant. LeBron James is talking about materialism and how players are so focused on you know, the money and you know the material aspect of their achievements. And you know, LeBron's ranting about, you don't worry about that. Focus on the game. Be passionate about the game. Devote yourself. Commit yourself to the game. And all that other stuff will take care of itself. And I, I think Sark was on there saying, listen. I think he said something like, listen, and all uh, exclamation marks. And But I think his point it, it goes to what he said about the type of players he wants. In the NIL transfer portal era, the free market has hit college football. Tougher than ever to build a positive, constructive culture. That's what he's trying to focus on, the guys who are committed to the game and not committed to what the game can do or bring to them and do for them. There's another piece of this too. You got to have dogs. You got to have guys that you got to have guys that will, you know, eat steel. The best teams do. I'm just telling you, I've seen it time after time. Yeah. It takes all kinds to make a team and create a culture where to Jerry's point, it's it's that ongoing thing that you're not getting too soft on the back end. And that's that's really what Jerry's talking about is yep. developing a soft culture as well. Yep. It, it can be a, a good culture, but then if it's too soft, what's the value of it? Amen, right. Bro. That's that's part of it, too. All right. That, that's going to do it for tonight's live stream. Thanks again to Texas Electricity Ratings dot com. If you live in a deregulated city, give them a shout to take a look at their website, Texas Electricity Ratings dot com. Uh, CJ Vogel, thank you very much. Rod Babers, good luck tomorrow, my man. And you are cleared you, to go to the Super Bowl, by the way. I've, I'll I, let y'all know. He has cleared you, my man. Jerry's going to get you on a Greyhound. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry. Uh, thanks, man. Hey, Rod, I'll drive you to Vegas. if you, I, I can see some problems hey, on the way. That, we, we just streamed the whole damn thing. Jerry yeah. driving Rod B to Vegas. Yeah. That would break some records, brother. That might do it. <laughs> I don't even want to know how fast y'all go in West Texas. All right. Uh, for you guys, thank y'all so much uh, for being there. Uh, we'll see you again tomorrow morning. We got coffee and football. Blake Monroe hosting 8 a.m. in the morning. We'll see you guys. Hook em. Hook em. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.